good morning, everybody. So good to see you today. What a beautiful day to gather and be God's people and lift our voices to him. Amen? It's the Advent season. We're thinking about Christmas and all the seasonal stuff that comes with that. One of the things that I always look forward to is seasonal beverages. I know, it's a funny thing, but Trader Joe's has this drink. It's called Wasail, and it's amazing. It's got, like, mulling spices in it, and it's, it's Jesus-approved. It's okay. Um, but it's super, super good, but it's a seasonal drink. And so I'm always looking forward to when I can get over to Trader Joe's and get my bottle of Wasail and drink it just by myself. And not, I don't share it with anybody. Are there any cool things that you look forward to in the Advent season? Maybe a seasonal beverage, maybe something, a treat, a cookie, something that you look forward to that just happens this time of year that you can't wait for, but you have to wait all year long for. What is that thing? Share it with your neighbor. Go ahead and stand up, greet the people around you, share with them what you're looking forward to. can stay standing as we light the Advent candle for today. It's the third Sunday of Advent, and today we light the joy candle. Advent is the season of the church calendar where we look back and look forward. It's about waiting expectantly on God. Just as Israel waited for the promised Messiah, we too wait for our Messiah to return one day. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can sometimes find waiting to be a joyless task, but it doesn't have to be that way. When we realize that Jesus is the good news, waiting on him can be full to the brim with abundant expectation and excitement. We think of the words the angel spoke to the shepherds in the field from Luke 2. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The good news of great joy was that God in the flesh has arrived. And today, we rest on his promises that he's coming to us again. So in this Advent season... If we allow God to move in our hearts, we can be people of joy because we have Christ who came once and is promised to come again. We invite you to just uh, join us for this song. It's about waiting expectantly with joy in our hearts for God who is Emmanuel, God with us.
Fire Lamb. We, we eagerly anticipate your arrival, dear Lord, in these next coming weeks. Um, we just thank you that you are coming in. Um, we know the rest of the story, how you will roar in um, to, to um, send your son for the forgiveness of our sins. In your name we pray. Amen. Kids can be dismissed to kids' churches at this time, and everyone else can have a seat. Amen. Well, good morning to y'all this morning. Good to see you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Somebody's here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, it's good to see y'all this morning. Uh, good to be able to gather together for worship. Um, over the last weeks, we've been just highlighting areas and ways that uh, you've been generous. Uh, we've been able to see God's generosity working out through our lives the needs that are available. Uh, one kind of cool opportunity that we have next week uh, for you to be generous to others is uh, we have a partnership with Aldea Coffee, and uh, they, they work alongside of us down in La Union, uh, Honduras. We've had a partnership there uh, for since 2010. Jake and Rachel Campan are missionaries that we, uh, that are Norlin and Cheryl, that are, I mean, they're kids, so... Um, but uh, they run this school there, Abundant Christian Life School. We have helped build nine, uh, nine classrooms down there, a couple sports fields. Got to see the first graduating class. One of the teams were down there. Um, so a big investment there. Aldea um, then does direct trade uh, with coffee, supporting farmers down there. And if you didn't know, um, part of when you give your tithes, your, your offerings here and help support Hardawike, we have Aldea coffee. So we don't have just generic, you know, open up already stale beans. I won't get into all my uh, coffee snobbery. Uh, but <laughs> just to know Aldea um, serves that community there. Um, they're part of our heart. So uh, next week they're going to be here. They're here every year kind of selling coffee. Um, so uh, bring some cash if you're interested in, in giving a gift uh, to somebody else. And again, uh, I want to challenge you throughout this season, um, and partly I've, I've just been the recipient of it over the last couple of weeks. I know most of you know I got in a truck, my truck got wrecked uh, a few weeks ago, but one of the, the cool things that happened along the way was just, again, people's just generosity. Um, stepping in in a moment, when we needed it, like I'm driving around a car because somebody made sure I could have one. And that wasn't the only person. There were two others who were ready to make sure that I had one, right? And, and I want to encourage you to look for one opportunity. Not 10 opportunities. Maybe you have 10. That, that's fine. But look for one opportunity during this season. It doesn't, it, it doesn't need to be with money. Um, it can be a resource that you have. It can be a moment. It can be a time. It can be a conversation. Who knows? 
But open your eyes. Ask God to, God to show you one opportunity where you can just show a kindness to somebody. Because I can stand up here this morning and tell you that kindness has poured over every day into the fact that I'm glad that I got four wheels to get to where I need, Kendra can get to where she needs. Something that's just practical, real, but is a blessing. Uh, so I want to encourage you towards that uh, over this, this next week, over the rest of this season. Think about a way to bless somebody uh, just with a down-to-earth, practical, everyday way. So if you will, uh, let's join together in prayer as we look to, the, look to our God as we spend some time in his word. Father, as we, we dive into the scriptures this morning, uh, Lord, as always, I'm going to ask that you give me the words to speak. Lord, for as much as I might study and try to put together a message, it means nothing without your Holy Spirit. It means nothing for us, it means nothing for me without your presence, your power, without you taking this inspired scripture that's been around for thousands of years that you made sure was real and present for us. Lord, it's nothing if you don't connect it to our hearts and our minds, if you don't give me the words to say. So Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Lord, in particular this morning, remind us of hope, remind us of peace, remind us of joy, anchored deeply in the promise of your Son Jesus who has come and is coming again. God, we're your children. We're here listening. So speak. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's children said, amen. One of the things I'm grateful for today is that the Chicago Bears do not play a game. Because it is one more opportunity to not lose a game. And now I know how Detroit Lion fans feel. So uh, it feels like, as we will talk about in Isaiah 11, a stump of a tree that's been cut off. Oh, I'm hopeless. No, we're in all reality today. <laughs> we are talking about a stump. We're talking about the line throughout Advent, we're talking about David's line today. We're taking a break from this story. We'll come back to it in the new year. But we're keeping in kind of in the same vicinity, in the same wheelhouse of where we've been in this story. We're talking about the line of David. We've, we've talked about David so far, a king after God's own heart, a king who uh, royally screwed up, but was by God's grace able to, to come back into God's graces, was able to identify, take responsibility for, and yet lean into the forgiveness of God. We've talked about Solomon, his son, who uh, while he had started his journey off well, was blessed with wisdom uh, throughout life, made a lot of compromises, and those compromises led him astray. And we don't know what happened in his story he was able to return, if he wasn't, if Ecclesiastes was maybe a, a final note that said, hey, at the end of the day, I've done it all, I've made all the mistakes, fear God. I don't know. Uh, and, and so today, it looked like David's line uh, throughout the scripture seems pretty hopeless, and Isaiah will speak to that. He's actually going to tell us that there's this stump of Jesse. Now, as we were building our house uh, this year and then coming into this summer, we were landscaping, and, and we had a decision to make about cutting down some trees. And, and, and the deal is with trees, you know when you cut them down, they ain't coming back, right? I mean, unless you go plant other ones. And we planted six different trees, so um, yeah, I know how much trees cost too. So uh, to the decision to cut them down 
the ones that we did was a permanent thing. We knew once we made that decision, it was going to be done, right? Because as you can see here, I mean, look, is there any growth, is there any life going to come from a stump? When Isaiah writes in Isaiah 11, that's exactly what he's speaking to the people of Israel and Judah about. It seems like for them, life has come to an end. For Israel, the northern ten kingdoms, again, we'll, we'll dive into how how's this all happen after the new year. Okay, so there's your, there's your primer to come back after New Year's. But for Israel, the northern ten kingdoms, they were about ready to get wiped out by the Assyrian army. This was due to king after king failing to follow God. There was no good king in Israel. And God was going to then wipe them off the face of the earth. Judah, in the meantime, the last two tribes of, of Israel were kind of holding out. Maybe there's hope. And, and so, but, but we don't know because if Israel's wiped out and Assyria's coming, and what happens, what's to keep them to come, coming, from us, coming for us? Right? Their life seemed pretty hopeless. They weren't at rest. They didn't have peace. It seemed like joy was taken. So Isaiah, when we read Isaiah 11 today, he's writing into what seems like hopelessness. He's writing into what seems like a disruption. There is no contentment. There is no peace. And certainly a situation of fear. And as he writes, what does he say? I want to bring us this morning to Isaiah 11. And let's hear how he approaches this situation. He says this, verse 1. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. So is the tree completely cut off? A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will, this this leader, this, this person from the line of David, this promised one, he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Right? That's what we knew Solomon should have last week, but he didn't. But this leader, this, this one, this, this shoot that would come from the stump, this branch that would rise up from the roots, he'll delight in the fear of the Lord. He won't judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with rightness, righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor on the earth. He'll strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he'll slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, a a sash around his waist. The wolf will lie with the lamb. Wait a second, a predator with its prey? The wolf will lie with the lamb. A leopard will lie down with the goat. A calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, right? And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near a cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into a viper's nest. They'll neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the people. 
So now it's not just a shoot. It now becomes, it grows, this branch that's promised to bear fruit now becomes the banner for all peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. And that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the Mediterranean. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Right, Isaiah gives a prophecy. Why? Because I think the first thing is he wants us to direct our minds to, be, to remain rooted in God and his promises. In God's promises. Right? Even though life looks like it's cut off. Even though it seems hopeless. Isaiah directs the people back to our God is not a hopeless God. He is a God full of hope. He is a God who makes promises. He's a God in whom we can rely. A shoot will come from the stump. I know Pastor JB is referencing this morning the sequoias and how fire burns through the sequoias and actually needs to, but it's hard to watch thousand-year-old trees come down. But for the forest to remain and to live, it's got to come down in order for newness to come up. I was, it was amazing to see that firsthand, to see these monstrous trees. And there's something depressing and heart-wrenching as they, as they come down. But in the loss, in the, what shall we say in a way, a winter season when it seems like nothing's growing and life is gone, Isaiah calls us back, reminds us to remain rooted in God, in his promises. That our hope doesn't lie in what, as, as it says about the king who would come, who, who's bent on, am I hearing what I, am I just making decisions by what I hear around me? Am I making decisions by, by what, the whims of those, that, the, the whims and wishes of what people want? No, I'm making decisions that are right, that are true, that bring life. Because our hope lies in the one who, can, who not only created life, but breathes it. Hebrews 10 reminds us of this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Let us hold on to this hope that we profess. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. Isaiah, as he's speaking to a community of people who feel like it's been cut off, seem like there's no hope, he says... Do you look at the surrounding? Do you look at your environment? Do you look at the situation? No, I'm going to draw you back to the God who is our hope, whose promises are trustworthy and true. Not only does he draw us then to be reminded, and I think for us in this season, that's what we're we're reminded of. Our hope comes in Christ, in a person. Not in what will be tomorrow, not in what happens next, not in a draft class, Chicago Bears, come on. (laughs) Right, it lies in God who is true to his promises, 
But he doesn't stop there. He, he invites the people to find rest, find their peace in God's presence. We hear again in Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord, God's presence will rest on this person. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit, uh, spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This person would be marked by rightness and faithfulness. He says, your peace is, is not going to be in Assyria, whether or not Assyria comes. Your peace isn't going to be in Judah, whether or not they come for you, or whether you get out of it. Your peace is in my presence and in the person that Isaiah is promising to come. Now for us in Advent, we look back and we rest in the one who has come. In John 1, we hear this, John the Baptist sees Jesus early on in the ministry of Jesus. And we hear this in John 1, starting in verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Right? God, it was in Christ that the world was created. John the Baptist knew that this Jesus was much more than simply a person. He was the eternal God. Verse 31. I myself didn't know him, but the reason I came baptizing with, with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. Listen to this. See how it correlates to Isaiah 11. I saw the Spirit come down, the presence of God, the power of God. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself didn't know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So not only will God's spirit come on his anointed one, this branch that would come from the roots, this, this shoot from the stump, but this person, Jesus, as we know, will give that same presence and power to each of us. God's presence is where we rest. John is saying to the world, it wasn't me that where you find your rest. It's this Jesus who's come, this lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 34, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Not only does our hope come in a God who makes promises, but our peace, our rest, lies in the presence of not just one who would come, but one who has come. Now the next day, John was there. Again, with two of his disciples, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. In the verses following, we hear about Andrew. He's one of the, the two disciples following. And, and for a day, Andrew got a chance to meet and spend time with Jesus. We have no clue what happens in this day. Again, the brilliance of Scripture. Like, we're left to our imaginations. But we do know this. After a day with Jesus, he ran to his brother Peter. And he said, we found the Messiah. It wasn't just because John the Baptist said so, but when he interacted with the promised one, the shoot that would come from the stump of Jesse, the root that would, or the branch that would, that would come up out of the, the roots of that same stump, he knew the promised one had come. The banner for all of Israel 
was finally present, when he interacted with the chosen, the Messiah. Now, for John the Baptist, we could say, oh, wow, yeah, okay, God called you, you had some visions, you never, you never, you got to see Jesus, you, but you don't know the struggle, right? Because the reality, when our, when our trees get cut down in our lives, when we have to deal with the stumps of our life, they totally disrupt it, right? Am I right? When we feel like there is no hope, when we feel like there is no contentment, everything is chaos. And John, you don't know. But John did know. Later in Luke, John the Baptist was thrown in prison. I don't have time for that story today, but uh, needless to say, it was a a joke, a whim, and some, some other just garbage that got him thrown in prison. As he's sitting in, this one who has said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, look, who baptized Jesus himself, saw the Spirit come down. He sends a couple of his followers to Jesus and he tells them to ask this question, are you really the one? When it felt like life was hopeless for him and chaotic and, and he would later die, be beheaded, he knew that was his end. He struggled. He questioned, much like we all do from time to time when our life gets thrown into chaos. Are you the one? And in Luke 7, we hear this. At the very time Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, evil spirits, gave sight to many who were blind. He started to show that the kingdom of God was breaking in. Anytime we see that healing today, we see the kingdom of God breaking in in the midst of a broken world. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. And he now quotes part of Isaiah 61. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone, listen to this, blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me. As much as Isaiah calls the people to rest in a presence of God that will come, Jesus reminds John and reminds us to rest in a presence that has come. His. Now, the good news for us this morning is Isaiah's not done. And in Isaiah 11, there's just a beautiful passage of you know, children sticking their hands in vipers' nests. Yeah, I don't like snakes, so I'm not doing that even when God's kingdom is finally here. Like, sorry. <laughs> Unless God somehow smites my memory, gets my memory, like you have no memory of every bad thing or every poor movie you watched or snakes on a plane or things like that. You know, like, <sighs> but supposedly, <laughs> right, in this, the, in this peaceful world, the wolf will dwell with the lamb, right? Predators will dwell with the prey. Everything that is broken will be restored. Just sit with that a moment. Everything broken will be restored. Isaiah speaks to a people. Everything's about to be broken. It seems like everything's already a mess. It will be restored. Speaks into our lives. You know, Aaron 
relationship with my grandpa, Grandpa Vanderveen, no longer here, broken relationship. I can do nothing to fix that relationship. It's out of my hands. He is long gone. The memories I have are more pain than they are joy. Aaron, there's hope. There's hope that maybe it can be restored. I don't know what it is for you, but Isaiah invites us, invites Israel into a joy-filled anticipation. One where Revelation 21 would say, God wipes our tears. One where, as Isaiah says, children are going to laugh and dance around viper pits. They're going to lead lions as well as leopards. And, and, and predators will, will be able to play with their prey. And it won't be to taunt them because they're going to be a good dinner meal, right? But they're in this peace. There is going to be joy. Comes in another place in Revelation, in Revelation 5. John, when he gets to, this is now John the Beloved. He's sitting in prison. So, I don't know, it's an interesting thing with John's in the Bible. You know, John the Baptist goes to prison, gets beheaded. John the, John the Beloved of Jesus goes to the island of Patmos. And uh, you know, all we know just is martyred and died on an island. So, wow, yay, woo fun, right? But in this moment, he receives a vision of what God's final kingdom will be of what it looks like, much like John the Baptist needed when he was in prison. Are you the one? And, and Jesus says, man, look at what happens. John the Beloved gets a vision. And as he sees this vision, there's this scroll that it looks like no one else can open. And in this scroll would be the newness of all of life. All of the seals would be open. God's judgment, as we hear in Isaiah, his righteousness, all of the rightness for life, for the poor, for the broken, for the hurting Right? For, the, for the hopeless, for the pains, for the sins. Right? If this would open, God's judgments would come. And, and it looked like nobody was there, and, and John wept. And then one of the elders said this in, John, in Revelation 5.5, Don't weep. I think about joy-filled anticipation. Don't weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the what? Root of David. Clearly, clearly taking us back to Isaiah 11. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And just a few verses later now, we see a celebration in this new kingdom. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals because you were slain. With your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they'll reign on earth. Then I looked... And I heard the voices of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, ten thousands times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and elders and in a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength, honor, glory and praise. Everything we hear in Isaiah 11 of what this lion of Judah, this lamb that was slain, this root of this, this shoot from the stump of Jesse, the, the branch that would come from the roots Everything that Isaiah says will happen is what Jesus is praised for in the company of heaven. And then we hear, then I heard 
every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them, saying, to him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb be praise, honor, glory, and power forever and ever. Our life, our hope, our peace, our joy isn't anchored in an idea that's out there that we wait for somehow to come to us because our hope, our peace, our joy has come. And while we know Christ will return, and that's part of Advent, we look forward to Christ returning, we do so only because we know, like John the Baptist, like John the Beloved, that Jesus has come into the world. That he has entered our lives. He's not just an idea out there that we're waiting for. I've been reading a, a book by Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. I'm reading it for our uh, pastor's podcast, Fear and Trembling Podcast. I don't, I mean, we've got about a season and a half now, if you didn't know that. We as pastors read a book every month, kind of get together, talk about it. Part of the hope of it is just to show you how you can have conversations in a world where it feels like we can't have conversations anymore. But we use different books. And, and this was a book that Darwin um, really impacted his life and he brought to us for conversation. Viktor Frankl was uh, in Auschwitz. And so in this book, he reflects on what seems like an incredibly hopeless, certainly place where it is chaotic and without peace, and you wonder how in the world could there ever be joy. In it, uh, one of his reflections, and I think it comes best through uh, Harold Kushner, he writes the foreword. Harold Kushner is a Jewish rabbi. But he says this uh, about Frankel's work, and, and I think he sums up a little of what we're talking about today. He says, Frankel's most enduring insight, one that I've called on often in my own life and in countless counseling situations, is this. Forces beyond your control can take away everything you possess. Forces beyond your control can take away everything you possess except one thing. And that's this, your freedom to choose how you will respond to the situation. Your freedom, I'm going to say this morning, to make a choice. You cannot control what happens in your life, but you can always control what you will feel and do about what happens to you. It's a lesson Kushner learned from Frankel. Frankel speaks to when it seems like everything is ripped away. I can't control the circumstances and the situations, nor can you. The brokenness of our life, whether it's of our own choosing or the things that happen to us, so many times are outside of us. However, we can control what's going on in us and where we go with it. Hope, peace, joy. If they're ever going to be an idea, a concept for you, an arm's length way, that's all they'll ever be. If it's simply an emotion for you, it will only ever be that and you will rarely get it. 
If it's found in anything, and I'm going to say this this morning, in anything other than Christ himself, you will only look for it at the next corner and in the next spot, in the next thing. Because according to God's design, hope is Jesus Christ. Peace is Christ. Joy is Christ. And it's when we give ourselves to it, to him, only then will we be able to understand what it really means. Last week, I ended the message by reading some of Philippians 4. Paul writes, rejoice always, pray continually. And in all these circumstances, give thanks to the Lord. Show your kindness to all. Let that be evident to all. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Beautiful passage. This morning, I want to read it from the message translation. Eugene Peterson's translation. So I think it's a beautiful way of touching on and helping us lean into this joy we have in Christ, this hope and peace we have in him. Let's hear these words. We'll close the message with this. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. If you want to rejoice, if you want to find joy, celebrate God. Don't celebrate out there. Celebrate him. Right? All day, every day. Revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all that you meet that you're on their side, working with them, not against them. Right? Show kindness to a world that's in desperate need of it, even if it doesn't deserve it. <laughs> Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up at any minute. So don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, do what? Pray. Don't qu- it's not, hey, if you're worrying, question God, doubt him. No, run to him. You want joy? Then celebrate God. Worship him. You want to get rid of worry? Then run to him. Pray to him about your worries. Let your petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns, because God actually gives a rip about your life. And Peterson Peterson translates the scripture and says this, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, right, that peace, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. Right? So often in those moments, I need something so much more than me to settle me down. He says, it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry, the center of your life. The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Plenty of life feels like it's cut down. But God has not left us hopeless, has not left us without a place of peace and rest, and has not left us without an opportunity to rejoice. That's found in Jesus. I want to invite you to run to him today. Let's pray. God, you are 
the Lion of Judah. You are the Lamb that was slain. You are the shoot that rises in the lifeless stump. You're a branch that rises from the roots that becomes the banner for all nations. And one of the promises we didn't even really even touch on this morning was the fact that you will bring back, you'll restore, you will take peoples from all of the earth back to you. God, that's your goal. That's your agenda. It's been since the beginning of the scriptures. It is all the way to the end to restore that's, that what has been broken. To bring hope to the hopeless. Peace to the restless. Father, enjoy in the midst of our mourning. But Lord, you give it to us in Jesus, by his spirit. So I want to ask this morning, God, that you give us the ability, maybe shall we say the chutzpah, <laughs> to run to you for it. To l- stop looking elsewhere for it. To let you transform within us that hopelessness, that restlessness, that pain. Lord, it doesn't always happen overnight. For Isaiah, for the people of Israel, it would take hundreds of years. Lord, we've been waiting thousands for you to return. Sometimes those moments, those years, Lord, those things that seem absolutely lost, like forever. But the promise where we rest our hope is that you are faithful. So God, may we look to you again. May we learn to rejoice in the moments and in the circumstances because you are with us. And may it just be a seed of joy that sprouts in all of our life. May we find rest in your presence, knowing that you are with us and you won't leave us. May we find hope that today is a new day. Tomorrow will be a new day. That one day there will be a day where all things will be made new. So God, work. Work in us. But again, thank you. Thank you that you give us your scriptures, these promises for us to rest in. Thank you that we have seasons like this to be particularly drawn to these promises, and especially the person of Jesus. So Lord, we say joy to you, joy to the world the Lord has come. Lord, and may not only the earth receive her king, but may we as well receive you as our king. In the name of Jesus, we pray. All God's children say, amen. We invite you to stand with us as we sing this song, Joy to the World Joyful, Joyful.
Praise God available to us because it's God that we're a part of. There is hope, there is peace, there is joy present in Christ because Christ's present is actually in you through his spirit. So it's not out there. It's within us. We turn our eyes to him. So again today I want to invite you to trust the story of Jesus. Put your hope, your faith your life in him. And it's in him that we will have hope, peace, and joy. Receive this blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, amen.
Go in peace. If you don't mind uh, stacking a few chairs, we'd appreciate it. Otherwise, feel free to hang out and have some conversation.